I'm Grace, the Amy Santiago of Royal Bloggers. And I'm Jessica, the Dorothy's Borana of Royal Bloggers. And we'd like to welcome you to On Air, the podcast where two cynical Brits discuss the latest royal news and the truth behind the story. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the On Air podcast. Uh, it's lovely to have you with us. So, the royals are sort of slightly starting to go back to work. Uh, we've had a couple of engagements, but sadly, none of them are interesting enough for us to really justify talking <laughs> about them in a podcast yet. So, we're still in that transitionary phase. But we do have the rare and exciting um, opportunity to talk about a royal engagement. So um, we had the announcement recently that Crown Prince Hussein of Jordan, so he is the son of King Abdullah and Queen Rania of Jordan, uh, will be getting married. Uh, the engagement was announced. He's engaged to Rajwa Al Saif. I mean, I'm just going to start off by saying that I'm devastated because <laughs> he was meant to marry me. He's one of the last kind of royal bachelors who is old enough that it wouldn't be creepy if I married him. Hussein's only a year younger than me. So, you know, in my head, it was realistic that one day we could meet and fall in love. And I was willing to convert. Uh, and he just threw that all away to announce his marriage to somebody who is not me. I couldn't quite get over as I, I know we have young heirs, like we have like six year old heirs. But in my head, he's the same age as William because they've like hung out. so. I was like googling, you know, how old's Crown Prince Hussein, and they're like, oh, he's born in 1994. I was like, he's what? Like, he is a baby, honestly. It's like that's nearly my age. He's also got a real baby face, which makes him look younger. Yeah, I would have said he was like 23. Yeah, yeah, you could easily put him early 20s. And then I was looking at the list of kind of things he's done, and I was like. How has he had the time? I know. Because I'm only a few years younger than him, but I've not had time to do any of that. Exactly. No one's invited me to speak at the UN. I mean, I could if they wanted. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, yeah, he's very highly accomplished. And he's very handsome too. He is. He's very, like, traditionally very handsome. Mm. I just wanted to get that out there before we start, that um, I am in mourning for myself as a single girl, uh, that I will never get to be the Crown Princess of Jordan. But anyway... Um, so the engagement was kind of announced with some photographs and a video of the like engagement ceremony. And it happened in Saudi Arabia, which is where Rajwa is from. It was kind of attended by the male members of Hussein's family, the male members of Rajwa's family, and then Queen Rania, you know. Um, She's like, I'll be here too. Just popping along. But I think the main thing is, it was a shock. Because... Nobody knew he had a girlfriend. Nobody knew, nobody had ever heard of this woman before. So all of, it was kind of, I think we talked about this in one of the early episodes about um, the only European couple I can think of who managed to do it were uh, Philippe and, uh, Felipe and Letizia in Spain, who nobody knew they were really going out. And then suddenly they were engaged. And it's a similar thing where it's, I was just like scrolling along one day and then suddenly not only has he got a partner, but they're going to get married. Um, so it kind of, it really came out of nowhere. Yeah, it's one of those things. And I think particularly because he is the heir, like if, I don't know, one day in the future, Lady Louise was suddenly like, surprise, I'm engaged. Everyone would be like, well, that's nice because she's quite far down the line of succession. But like, he's 
the crown prince and the heir and it's not like I mean I don't particularly follow the Jordan royal family but I tend to have quite a good idea of what Hussein's up to just because I occasionally like to look at his Instagram and just look at things um like his face it was, <laughs> yeah you just see what he's doing these days and it just very much was like oh surprise he's getting married to this person and I really liked how all the news articles were clearly had were like had no prior sort of awareness of this and they were all just copying and pasting bits from each other so they all just said exactly the same like seven sentences that was <laughs> there is a difference between not knowing about somebody's relationship because you pay no attention to them and not knowing about it because they didn't tell you anything or they've kept it secret so like uh Gabriella Windsor, Lady Gabriella Windsor, um, the daughter of Prince and Princess Michael. When she got married, I had no idea she was dating anybody, but that's because I have no interest in her and pay no attention to her life. Whereas he is, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Georgian royal family, but I do like Hussein. I generally kind of know who's single, <laughs> just to keep my <laughs> options open. Um, and had not known anything about this. So there this is a very unusual category in that it's like they have either deliberately kept it secret or uh it maybe it was a very sudden thing and they've only known each other for a short amount of time we really don't know and I think that's the point as well like we know she's 28 a few months older than him I think we know where she studied uh and like that she's from Saudi Arabia we know her parents names but we do not know anything else as of recording anyway like we don't even know how they met no and it's like people are putting things together because they both studied in America but they were at different universities and we don't know where interact like if there was any kind of crossover there we don't know if they met in Jordan if they met in Saudi Arabia if they met through their family if they bumped into each other on a night out one time I don't know how these things happened it's just very strange that we've got like no information about her other than sort of what you'd get on a CV basically yeah, and it's like, I know the sort of the Jordan royal family are quite private about their kind of personal life, particularly with the four children of um, King Abdullah and Queen Rania. But I feel like at some point, if, you know, she, she'll be the crown princess and possibly future queen of Jordan. And you can't just be like, here's a woman. Especially because I think Hussein is so like public facing. Like, I know a lot about Hussein through his own social media I'm sure it you know it's very very heavily cultivated but he has like he does nice pictures with his family and his siblings and his friends and it feels like a young professional's account and I'm like where's the young professional's future wife I need to know I mean it was a few days ago now but it wasn't like a month ago so there's still time obviously for them to announce all of these things but yeah it is just strange as you say that she it's not just that she's his wife or his future wife she is the future queen of jordan and so there is a uh an extra level of like it would just be nice to know what she's interested in even or you know what her a bit about her personality i mean i'm not jordanian i don't maybe they, they all love her already and they all think she's wonderful and they don't care they don't need to know anything about her maybe um and i also like the last wedding of an heir what of a direct heir was in the 90s with rania and abdullah and i I didn't know much about anything because I was like, I don't know when they got married, but I was probably like one, two. Um, I was young anyway, not old enough to really know much about what was going on in Jordan. So I don't really know whether it was how they kept things as well. Maybe they were quite quiet and they just suddenly announced it and we didn't know much about Rania and we got to know her over the years. Maybe this is totally normal for them, but it is just 
um, you know, we got a lot of photos, so they're not afraid of access because we got a lot of images. We just didn't really get any like substance. Yeah, we got we got a lot of photos and we got some very like gushing comments from Rania. Like, like I think the the official announcement was like um, they like the crown prince has proposed and he's now engaged to this woman in front of her family and her family's residence and these members of his family and Rania and then Rania's like personal one was like I am delighted I love you I love everyone it's so beautiful well actually I think that's an interesting thing as well because a few weeks ago or months ago again I don't remember the exact date their daughter Iman also got engaged is it Jamil is that his name yes Jamil. Jamil Jamil so she got engaged to Jamil and I looked back at what Rania posted and when Iman got engaged, she posted one image of the couple together. She said she loved Iman and she hopes they're happy together. Um, now, Jamil was, is Greek and was not brought up Muslim. He converted to another religion. He changed his own name. That's what he got. And uh, But with Rajwa, um, Rania has posted multiple photo sets, including one photograph that's just her and Rajwa. And a video. She called Rajwa precious, sweet, beautiful, her third daughter. I mean, I, again, I, it's what what goes on behind their in their family relationship. As long as it doesn't come out into the public, it's none of my business. But it is like if I was Jamil and I was like, I converted for her. I changed my whole name. And I don't I got no mention. I wasn't even referred to as like a nice guy. Whereas Rajwa <laughs> just turns up and she gets called her third daughter. Like it's a discrepancy. I've, and I also really liked, and I know that um, Hussein's the crown prince and Iman is just a princess and she's not in the line of succession because of, they don't have females in the line of succession in Jordan. But I liked how when they announced the whole list of people that Hussein got sort of engaged in front of, it's like the king, the queen, the old crown prince, the brothers of the king, the half-brothers, the cousins. And then when for Iman, it's like her family, it's like her mum, dad and her siblings. <laughs> I was like, that's so sweet. But all I could think was like, did did they not get invited to go to Hussein's one? Was it the, Hussein like, by the way, I'm going to get engaged. You're not coming. I, I want to know what the discussion was about this behind the scenes. Just, was he like, when we come back to Jordan, I'll reenact it for you. It's, we're just left with a lot of questions at the moment uh, because they haven't told us anything other than like her vital statistics, kind of. Obviously, I when Princess Man got engaged there was a lot of talk about like like oh it's the first wedding it's the first kind of of the children of the king and queen I wonder what's going to be like and then she was kind of, I'm sure she wasn't usurped like within the family but publicly she was usurped by her big brother the crown prince and I feel like now Jordan's got two big weddings to organize and one of them's gonna have to be very big so but and but also because they were so close none of the details for either of them have been released but I'm interested to see whether like, like they do a man's first and get it out of the way or if they're like, no, we'll do Hussein's one because it's the big one and then we'll do yours in like three months later. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting... We don't... Yeah, we don't... At this stage, we don't know anything about the future wedding plans. Um, and I actually... I'm quite excited about that because I... I don't... As you can probably tell from everything I've said so far, I don't know anything about Muslim weddings. I've never been to one. Church of England weddings are so boring and I'm used to them now that, you know, it will be quite interesting to experience something that's a little bit different and uh, to get to learn about how they do things. And it will be, you know, I think if anybody knows a lot about Muslim weddings, let me know if there's any moment in the ceremony 
where they ask if anybody knows a reasonable or what is it a just impediment lawful impediment as to why they shouldn't wed um just you know just for research purposes I'm definitely not planning to go to Jordan <laughs> and turn up in a white dress and uh crash the wedding royal wedding crashers <laughs> uh, that's definitely not happening yeah this is all this is all just for my own research purposes um but yeah no I think yeah we don't know anything about what what's going to happen when the weddings are going to take place we don't know anything about their relationship it's a wonder we've managed to talk for this long about it because we just know so little <laughs> yeah we're like oh he's engaged we know nothing yeah <laughs> is essentially what we've got but it's really interesting and I think because Rania and Abdullah have promoted themselves in this really kind of progressive way and I think particularly because Rania has carved out such a sort of independent career for herself yeah like I'm really fascinated to see if that's going to be like a Rania only thing or if it will also sort of extend to Rajwa and like what she's going to do in the future. So I'm really interested, like far more interested than I thought I was going to be. I was like, oh, I need to know. Yeah, because like she has her family her from Saudi Arabia and are extremely wealthy and very, very well connected. I think there's some potential connections to the Saudi royal family in there as well. Um, so she's got that. She's obviously was brought up Muslim, which I imagine is easier than having somebody convert later in life. But she also was educated in the US. So she probably appeals to, not that, I mean, I don't know about their relationship. I don't know how much involvement the parents have, but I can understand why Rania might be attracted to her as a daughter-in-law because she's she's got the similar Rania qualities of like uh, a Muslim woman who understands tradition, but also uh, has a lot of experience of living and working in the West. Yeah, I I did think, well, it's probably not that exciting because a lot of royals end up going to America. But I did think it was quite interesting that not only Hussein and Iman, but also Rajwa and Jamil all studied in the US. They are they're they're close allies on a political level so I can imagine that would influence like Iman and Hussein's choices you know they're they're there all the time Rania and, and Abdullah <laughs> Rania was on the view <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it'll be I think it'll be really interesting to look back on like at like the wedding and see how many of these questions have been answered because it might be they just get married and we're still like who is this woman or it could be like oh remember we didn't know anything about Rajma now we know everything I know her favorite food. Like, yeah, because I don't think they have like a wedding, um, an engagement interview thing like they do in Britain or other places. I don't think they do that. I might be wrong, but um, I know that they are very open in other ways. Like, they took photographs when Rania had children. They took photographs of her in her hospital bed to release. So they're open in lots of ways and closed off in other ways. So it'll be interesting to see what we get to see and what we don't. Some other news we got this week, we were told on Thursday that Lady Louise Windsor, who is the eldest daughter of the Earl and Countess of Wessex and the youngest granddaughter of the Queen, um, she's 18 and she would have received her A-level results and they confirmed that she was heading to university um, and she is heading to the University of St Andrews where some other famous people may have gone in the past, unknown. Like me? Um, and she is good. <laughs> yeah, this is what Jess went. <laughs> That's who you were talking about, yeah. <laughs> the only famous person I can think of. Yeah. Podcaster. Um, <laughs> and she is going to be studying English. 
like me. So between us, we are Lady Louise as a person. No, in all seriousness, um, it did open the question of everyone immediately going, oh, where did all the other British royals go? What is university? What's going on? So we thought, let's talk about it and find out. Having studied there myself, I actually, like, that's a perfect place for her to go based on what I know about her because St Andrews is not like a lot of universities in the UK where it's kind of a university that's in a city and you can go to clubs and there's loads of nightlife and all this stuff going on it's got no nightclubs it's based in a little town it's not even in a city I mean it it does have loads of social stuff going on but it's quite quiet full of posh English people so I think she'll fit right in it's the perfect choice for her I don't know much about Louise as a person she's obviously very private but from what we've seen of her and her interests she doesn't strike me as someone who would be up for clubbing at nine o'clock you know three o'clock in the morning in central London especially you know at just 18. All I know about her really is she's quiet and posh so she'll fit right in because St Andrews is quiet and posh yeah. It's always nice to go I think well I say this as if I've ever been anywhere anywhere else has gone but I imagine it'd be very nice to go somewhere where you could talk to someone who'd already been there particularly in the situation of being a granddaughter of the queen which is a little bit different than most people's life. Yeah like she could ask me but I'm not going to be able to tell her anything useful. I mean she can still ask. Uh, Hit me up Lady Louise I'm on Instagram. What's quite interesting is obviously a lot of the universities in the UK the ancient universities have existed for hundreds and hundreds of years but historically royals didn't really go to university they were still very well educated but usually they kind of had tutors who came to them and would educate them specifically in what they needed to know as the future monarch or you know current monarch in some cases if they were quite young so it was only really kind of in the 20th century the early 20th century in the late 19th century when they started to go to university but even then they kind of a lot of them would go for a year and then leave without any qualifications and it was kind of more of a networking opportunity like unless you wanted to be a doctor or go into the clergy or be an academic then what it was seen as they're not really being much point in you going actually I think nowadays we associate university as being something that upper class people would automatically go to but it's really only sort of the last 150 years when the royals have gone at all comprehensive but I remember being told that like unless you were studying medicine or something there where you needed to go to university there's no point and then this was in an RE lesson so it was completely irrelevant to what I <laughs> but then I remember my teacher being talking about how like back in the day like it wasn't the done thing and I think because like you said we associate it with like some of it's with class mobility it's that kind of pushing yourself to do something more than what came before um but you and but also the kind of I'm gonna say stereotypical British uni student is posh like in fresh meat it's JP that's who you imagine as a university student and who's more posh than the royal family exactly yeah yeah I think and you hear so many things about like different rates of access and about how working class children aren't able to access university at the same rate as the sort of upper middle class to upper class people so I think there's a natural assumption that actually you know that well that's come from hundreds of years of of posh rich people being able to go to university but actually yeah for a long time it was kind of looked down on as something that you only really needed to go to if you were going to be an academic and you know it was much more common to go into the military 
And it's only really with the Queen's kids, I think, it was became more common. It's like every generation over the last 150 years or so, it's become more common to do it. But even if you look at the Queen's kids, 50% didn't go to university. Anne and Andrew didn't. Edward and Charles did. So even in her gen- her kids, it was still only 50-50. And nowadays, if a, an upper-class family like them only had 50% of their kids going to university, you'd be like, oh, that's quite unusual what you know but in that in the at that time it was obviously fine for you know 50% of them not to go when you look at i mean i think that like the royal adjacent people in particular like you can see it quite clearly because the royal adjacent people are you know upper class upper middle and they are the people that you stereotypically would assume would be at university and then when you get people who don't go, so for example, I don't know, I can't think of it on top of my head, but if there was a family and one of them didn't go, they're automatically viewed as like the failure sibling, like the weak sibling. Whereas I don't think, even in sort of Charles's generation, there's not that kind of like, Anne's the failure sibling because she didn't go to university. That wasn't there. Whereas I think there is that, almost that idea with William and Harry, people are like, well, Harry didn't go to university. Yeah, and I think that's definitely because there was like a cultural shift um, through each generation. And by the time the Queen's grandchildren, so William and Harry and that generation, started going to university in like the 90s and early 21st century, it was kind of more of an expectation than it ever had been at any point in time for that their, their sort of social class. And I think, I wonder if that's sort of linked to the general shift from the royals to be more quote unquote normal and less aristocratic. So like in the Queen Mother's time or Queen Mary of tech in her time, like it wasn't a bad thing to be upper class and wealthy and to sort of know your place, I suppose. Um, it was, it was, it's not that class structures have disappeared. It's just that there's now an attitude from the upper classes of like, oh, we can't seem upper class. The most upper class you can be is to seem like you're working class. So if you, even if you just look at something like accents, Queen speaks in a very particular way that posh people of her generation spoke, whereas it's been noticed that sort of William and Harry's generation speak with more of like a generic London accent. I think they call it estuary, um, where it's like it's the accent that's kind of spoken by people generally in that area. So I wonder if it is kind of them going to university or being expected to go to university is them trying to seem like normal middle class people because at that time in history the royals couldn't be seen to kind of be too upper class or um flaunt the fact that they were aristocratic they kind of have to seem oh look how normal we are and i think you know you can see that from their schooling right at the start because if you go back to the queen and princess margaret like they didn't have traditional schooling they were homeschooled they had tutors and it wasn't until you know Princess Elizabeth became the future Queen Elizabeth that she got extra special homeschooling. They were just, you know, needlepoint and basic maths. And then even when you go down to Charles and Anne, for their sort of primary education, they were homeschooled. They were t- they're given tutors. They weren't in a, you know, local private school. But then when you get to, you know, William and Harry, they were in school um, and in the same school as everyone else. And I think if, you know, you know, William and Kate had decided to homeschool George, even though that would have been well within their right as parents, I think there would have been a reaction to that. Whereas if Prince George had gone, oh yeah, we're going to shove uh, Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret in a private school, everyone would have been like, whoa, but uncouth of you there. 
they kind of there is more of an expectation that they'll do what other young people who are middle class would be doing and that is going to university so in a weird way like harry prince harry didn't go to university he went to military school i went to sandhurst and um actually harry is the one who is following in the royal tradition because for centuries going straight from your education whether you know he wasn't at home in his case but education of whatever kind into the military was the norm like they joined up the mil in the military when they were like 13 or 14 in the generations before queen victoria um so in a way harry's actually the one carrying on the royal tradition and what we think of now as being like oh well you know they're upper class so they're going to go to university actually they're all doing things that are quite modern for the royal family they're trendsetters yeah it's an interesting thing because i think most people would assume Harry's the one who's breaking with convention because he's the only one who didn't go to university. So he's the one who's kind of letting the family down or something. But actually, 100 years ago, it would have been completely normal. And his his siblings or cousins would have been the ones who were weird and maybe inferior. The next question people might have is kind of, well, where did the royals study? And so I think historically once they started going to university kind of like Edward and Charles's generation but even the ones before then the, the couple in each generation who did go to university it was always Oxford or Cambridge and so both Edward and Charles studied Oxford and Cambridge and um, neither of them were even the littlest bit qualified to go there. I know grade boundaries change over the years and perhaps in you know the 60s and the 50s uh, D in history <laughs> would have got you into Cambridge Edward but <laughs> if you look at Charles and Edward's A-level results which have helpfully been provided Charles got a B in history and a C in French and Edward got a C in English and a D in history and a D in politics and I don't think I could get into any university with those grades I don't th even I don't know what the worst ranked university is in the UK but I'm sure if I had a even a B and a C just those two I couldn't get into a university um so something, and I could be going off on a bit of a wild conspiracy theory here, suggests that perhaps they were admitted to the University of Cambridge for a reason other than their academic prowess. You think? What? Oh, what a what a um, out there theory! I can't imagine how you would have come to that. Um, I mean, I applied to to Cambridge and I got an interview. Um, I didn't get in, which in the end turned out to be the best thing because I think I would have crumbled under the pressure. And if I had been offered a place, I would, I'm Scottish, so the qualifications are slightly different. If I had been offered a place, I would have had to have three A's. We don't have A stars in Scotland, so A is the highest you can get. And so, yeah, I would have had to get three A's. Uh, not even one B would have been allowed. I would have had my place denied. But they had very, very mediocre to poor grades and managed to get in. So, yeah, I think, I think that thankfully things have changed a little bit, not completely, but um, I think that influences the choices of the like more modern royals because we tend to find out what their grades were like back in those days I think there probably were people who were upset by it and annoyed by it but it was just kind of a bit more accepted that like oh well they're gonna bend the rules for the royals whereas I think by the time William and Harry were going to university it would have been a massive controversy if William had been able to go to Cambridge with, I mean, he wasn't stupid or anything. He didn't get bad grades, but he didn't get grades to go to Cambridge. So I think it would have been a lot more controversial. And that's probably influenced the choice of where they've chosen to study in the more modern era, because Oxford and Cambridge is the most prestigious, but 
there is no way any of that generation would have been able to get in. Because I, I applied for Oxford and I got an interview and then I panicked. I thought, I can't do this and didn't turn up for the interview, which is my favourite go-to story of all time. But I think when you look at the the people from that era who did go to sort of Oxford and Cambridge and you've got Charles and Edward and you've got the Duke of Gloucester and Prince William of Gloucester and even like the Earl of Snowdon, that like none of them were academic in the same way you'd think of as a Cambridge student because you know there was a reason Oxford and Cambridge are so highbrow it's because you have to like the amount of work they do is insane it is a lot it's more than most universities um and you know particularly for Charles I'm going to say there was also the and probably uh you know particularly for Charles he also was the heir to the throne so I don't think if I went to Oxford and didn't have a job and worked 24-7, I probably would have found it really hard to keep up with the workload. So there's definitely an element of them choosing Cambridge because it has the kind of historical prestige of being Oxbridge rather than being like their passion to go to Cambridge over the years. Um, But thankfully that has kind of gone away again as the generations have gone through. But again, I don't think that's because... I don't think that William or Harry or, well, not Harry, but William or Eugenie or whoever were like, well, I'm not going to apply to Oxford and Cambridge just because I don't feel like it's the right place for me. Like they couldn't have got in. And in there, by the time um, they were applying to universities, there was much more scrutiny on the royals and on sort of special treatment. And um, there's also was a lot more coverage of them and critical coverage of them in the media. So like, somebody would have found out that they didn't have the A-level grades to qualify and it would have been a massive, massive controversy. Whereas I think almost in Charles and Edward's day, it almost could have been more of a controversy if a university had turned down a royal. Particularly Charles, I think. I think he probably knew he was going to get to go wherever he wanted. And I'm sure he chose Cambridge for, you know, he probably quite liked the fact it's, you know, it is a kind of a bubble in its own way, but it also has the prestige of being like, even if you drop out, like um, the Earl of Snowden did, he drops out of Cambridge after a year, but, or after a second year, but he still could, he has that kind of, oh, he did get into Cambridge. Yeah, <laughs> I got in. <laughs> if you looked at the royals before like Queen Victoria and some of her children as well, they all went for like a year and then dropped out and went to military school because none of them were really interested and none of them were smart enough, quite frankly, or had the work ethic to be able to do it. So they all quickly realised, like, oh, no, this isn't for me. Um, they were only there because of the sort of social prestige and kind of the networking opportunities of going to somewhere like that. Like, you could probably be standing next to the future prime minister if you're at Oxford or Cambridge in a way that you wouldn't be if you're in, like, I can't think of a single university and I don't want to insult anyone. So another university. Um, you probably wouldn't be standing next to the future prime minister. Some royals in the more modern era have stayed to those kind of ancient universities. So obviously, William and Kate both went to St Andrews, which is one of the ancient universities of Scotland. So it it's sort of, it's not Oxford and Cambridge, but um, it's the one you go to. St Andrews and Durham are the two universities you go to generally if you don't get into Oxford and Cambridge. Um which I, I always hated that because I was like, I am such a stereotype. I didn't get into Cambridge, so I've gone to St Andrews. And it's like, but I actually really liked St Andrews. I didn't pick it just because everyone else did. Um, <laughs> but, you know, 
I think those are good universities. They're slightly easier to get into, but they are good, still good universities with the, that still have that kind of social prestige of going to them. So there is still some of that in the more modern generation. Yeah, so Peter and Zara both went to the University of Exeter, which is quite an old university but I don't think it's necessarily got it is I'm sure it's Russell Group I'm sure it is but I don't think it has the prestige of even somewhere like Bristol University the University of Bristol but it's it's just it's like it's there and it exists and Exeter's kind of like a town city like it's small it doesn't it's not small like St Andrews but it's small like there's nothing there so I can see why they would have gone to somewhere that's a little bit out of the way and also it's in the southwest and you know they think they've grown up there that's where princess anne predominantly spends her time um so they've they both went somewhere kind of i'm going to say in between your prestigious university of st andrews and your i don't know nottingham trents i don't know anyone who went to nottingham trent i've never been there i've heard of it i feel like it's probably less prestigious than Exeter I wouldn't know is it I mean this this whole podcast is just exposing our very rigid British class biases and then Beatrice and Eugenie both went to um other I'm gonna say smaller universities so Beatrice went to uh, Goldsmiths University of London um and that is famously quite an arty liberal left-wing university which is always makes me laugh. Like I know I have a couple of friends who went there and they definitely approached it in very different ways, but they are both people I would view as, I don't want to call them hippies, I love them dearly, but like liberal hippie type of people. <laughs> I knew a couple of people who went there as well. And I think like they're always protesting like goldsmiths. That's the main thing I know about it is like they're always protesting. Like some student is always locked in a university building somewhere protesting somebody's pay or some social injustice or something or other they're very like arty politically active um not what you would associate a royal with automatically no and I think you know Goldsmith has the advantage of being in London yes very close. um so it's it's near things and also near you know the royals it's near um the queen it's where she would have been in you know the early 2000s but it is definitely I think if William had said I'm going to the Goldsmiths University of London there might have been a bit of a kick kick up of a fuss about that whereas for Beatrice everyone was like "Mm, okay the benefit she had she was able to stay in a royal property while she was at university there's that's a nice benefit of like I could go to university in St Andrews or I could stay in London and live in a palace like I know what I choose. I'm definitely picking the palace. And then Eugenie, she went to the University of Newcastle, um, which I don't know anything about. I didn't put it on the same level as University of Exeter in my head. Yeah. As in, they sound fancy because it's the name of a city, but not as fancy as a fancy, fancy university. I went to Newcastle once because my friend was at university there. I won't go into too much detail, but I was very drunk. And it was not a good experience. I didn't go again. That tells you everything. My friend didn't invite me back. So it tells you everything you need to know. In Scotland, university, if you're if you're Scottish, you can stay at university in Scotland and you have no tuition fees. So most Scottish people I knew chose to stay in Scotland and study there, because why wouldn't you if it was if it was free? Um so I don't know much about English universities. And then when I went, I think my friend kind of said that it does have a very similar vibe to St Andrews and that it's posh. And that a lot of people who don't get into Oxford and Cambridge go to Newcastle, but it's in a city and it's 
got tons of nightlife. And so I think it's kind of, it's got that posh vibe. She might have known some people who were already studying there. Yeah, it's got that, but it's also not as isolated as, as geographically as St. Andrews was. Yeah, it's definitely a city university in the way that some of the others aren't. And then I also kind of looked at what I'm going to describe as um, royal adjacent people. So people like um, Eduardo and Jack and even Tim, because they would have all been that kind of like rich upper middle class group of people who would have been the peers of the royals. And I did find it really funny because Tim did the University of Durham. So he did the didn't make it to Cambridge. Yep. Getting here yeah. thing. Um, Eduardo um, went to Edinburgh, which is also where Pippa went. Um, and where James went for a little bit so posh yeah you know say? it is um, and then Jack was really confusing because in all of his interviews it said he never went to university but all the interviews about him said he went to the University of Bristol and dropped out which honestly is a vibe because the University of Bristol is a party place so <laughs> well he now works in the drinks industry so I know I was like it fits maybe this is where he built his client base he just popped in yeah got some contacts and was like I'm off well you can see from what we've said like grades are obviously a huge part of it like in the modern era it is going to be harder for a royal if it's somewhere where you need very clear grades to get in it's going to be a lot harder to kind of buy your way in in the modern era than it was a few centuries ago but so some of it is obviously grade restricted like they only had certain places they could go to but I also think when you're making a choice for university a lot of it is just like the vibe or, you know, I cho- one of the reasons I chose St. Andrews is because it was really close to where I grew up. So I could be on a train and be home in like an hour and a half. So with Beatrice going to Goldsmiths, she's a home, she's somebody who's very close to the rest of her family by all accounts. So maybe that was a factor. It was like she wanted to be somewhere where she could nip and have tea with the Queen every now and then. And, you know, whereas I think with William, the choice to go to St. Andrews was completely motivated by the fact that he knew it would be much harder for the press to go and take photographs of him if he was in this tiny geographically isolated little town. And it was like physically separated from everybody in his family, all of the expectations, um, like what could he really do up in St. Andrews? He could only focus on studying. So I think for him, like I am convinced that that was the main reason he chose St. Andrews. It's a great university and a lot of his friends would have been going or people of his sort of background but I'm pretty convinced that that's the main reason whereas I think like Beatrice and Eugenie probably chose places that are a bit more like based on the fact that they were lively and um that there was a sort of creative culture or uh you know Beatrice I think probably chose it because it was close to home and you know and we will get into in a second I think some of them may have chosen places because of the course that was offered at that university um but you know I think nowadays they have to make more similar choices to what we have to make whereas a few decades ago or uh, however long ago it was always just well you're going to Oxford or Cambridge whether you've got the grades whether you want to it doesn't matter that's where you're going now it's like okay you're just making the same decision as anyone else if I think it's something you will automatically do like there's a lot of people I see you know, at the moment you've just gone through clearing and have ended up in universities they haven't been to look around and they're like, oh, what's it like there? Like, and they're not asking what's the academic rigor of this university. They're asking, do I have to go out clubbing every night? Or can, do I, am I allowed, is that a good thing? Is that I think the done thing to do? They, they want to know the, the lifestyle of a student of that university. Those, I think the fact they've tended to go to 
you know, they, they're fairly split between the ones who went to a more quiet place like William and even Peter and Zara and the ones who've gone to the kind of more bubble, even people like Eduardo and Pippa going to Edinburgh. It's, a, it's more vibrant. It's a city. And if you look at the characteristics of the people who chose that, it does seem to marry up with the personalities that they've shown us as people. But I think we kind of mentioned there that one of the factors that would play into the choice of university is probably what they studied um and so I think there are some where like they obviously chose university because they had a particular career in mind or because that university was very good at something very specific and I'm mostly thinking of Peter and Zara so Peter did sport sports science and I think Zara did equine physiotherapy yeah she did physiotherapy with like a specialism in equine physiotherapy yeah. which I didn't know was a thing no me neither <laughs> you know it was obvious that those University of Exeter must be very good for those kinds of you know, there are a few universities that are very good at things like agriculture or um, vet schools. And those tend to be quite different from the schools that are very good for like, or I think they are anyway, schools that you go to for like the academic subjects. So I think that they probably chose Exeter because they wanted to study these specific things that were their area of interests. And, you know, obviously it's been very useful for Zara's later life because she's professional at riding horses. And uh, Peter works in the sports field still. He works in sponsorships more than sports science, but you know, he's he still needs to know how to talk to sports people. So for them, it was quite practical. And I think even Eugenie did English literature and history of art, and she now works in an art gallery. There are a few of them where they obviously had some sort of career in mind and they went somewhere that was really good for the subject that they were interested in doing to further their career later on in life. We don't actually really do that many like double degrees like you do in America, like you have like a major and a minor. We don't do that. But there are a few like combined degrees, um, like Beatrice did history and history of ideas, which I didn't know was a thing. Yeah, what's the history of ideas? That is the weirdest. Like, that's such a goldsmith's thing. Like, I don't think anywhere else would do or m- not many other places would do history of ideas. I mean, that just means nothing to me. I, will, I don't know if it is like one, like the course is history and history of ideas or if it's two courses that have been combined. Yeah, I'm not sure. I would like to know if anyone in the world has a history of ideas degree. And how that's different from history. In history class, we don't ever talk about ideas. That's only for the history of ideas class. Like that doesn't, yeah, I don't know what that means. But I mean, she's got the weirdest degree, but there are quite a few where like they have obviously done nothing related to their degree since they left university. Yeah, there are some some really interesting. I mean, you get people like, you know, the Duke of Gloucester studied architecture and he became an architect like that. Perfect. And then you get Edward studied history. Do I think of Edward as a historian? No, I don't. No, Charles did archaeology, anthropology and history. I really like the idea that Charles has some like basic understanding of archaeology and went on Mm. like mini digs in like the back of Cambridge. I just like that image in my head. Dressed up like Indiana Jones. Yeah, I was like, did, did Indiana Jones come out before he went to university? Because if it did, I will <laughs> just push the narrative that he saw that film and was like, oh, I want to do that when I grow up. Maybe he was the inspiration for it. <laughs> he often, he's, all, we all associate Charles with walking around with a, a hat on, carrying a whip. So, you know, he's always doing so that. therefore, evidence. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like... Kate did history of art, which I associate with being the degree that you do when you don't know what you want to do. I was literally told that at school, like, don't study history of art because that's a fake degree. It's not a fake degree. You actually have to do work. Like, no degree is a fake degree. But, like, I was told in, I don't know, pre, 
two like 2010 ish that history of arts a fake degree so it's definitely a narrative that carries oh well what we were told specifically was that history of art was the degree that women did when they wanted to marry doctors Um, which is the worst that's it's misogynistic stupid because every degree requires a level of skill I couldn't just walk in and do a history of art course now like or like do an essay in history of art and pass it it's not that easy Um, every degree has value in its own way but she she is very interested in art it's just that you know she didn't end up going into anything to do with it because she got married and became a princess instead yeah I think I always wonder if obviously she studied that degree before she was Mrs William so I wonder like when she studied that degree and started whether she had this like passion to go into like the academia of art or and then she met William and was like I'm gonna have to like hold off on this passion or if it was like I really like art so I'm gonna study it and then see what happens. Most people I know didn't really go to university because they wanted a career in what they studied anyway like I chose psychology and I will tell you the exact reason I said chose psychology was because I did one of those tests um we had them they go around the schools in Scotland and they give you a like an aptitude test to tell you what career you should go into and mine were all sort of fairly even and then I the psychology was like one point higher than everything else and I was like oh that sounds interesting read a couple of books I was like yeah I could do that and so I applied for psychology and that's why I chose my degree. I think unless you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, uh, a lot of people just pick something because they think it's vaguely interesting. But like you're giving a 17 year old or an 18 year old the opportunity to pick something that they could that could feed into the rest of their life and all of their career options. Like none of us know what we want to do at 17. No, I always I wanted to study medicine. I wanted to be a doctor. <clears throat> for years and years and years right up until I was applying for university and I was like hang on if I study medicine then I'm never going to study English again and I really like books and that was it that was why I, like there was no logical thought behind that. I wasn't like oh what careers can I go I was just like no I actually just really like English more than I like biology my A-levels were very science-based and then I kept having to go to like English interviews and be like hello I really <laughs> like English <laughs> I read books <laughs> like what's the last book you read I was like honestly it was about a chemistry book but I do read books sometimes (laughs) promise it makes you feel better I told the guy who interviewed me in Cambridge that I the last book I read was Twilight so (laughs) I really hope they like that I really hope they came over for the interview thought that's the one I didn't get in so (laughs) maybe that was it maybe you were right up there and they were like oh no yeah no is she team Edward or team Jacob because that all depends that would have been you know, as an average young person, I think most people just pick something that they they like at school or they think it sounds interesting. And there is some flexibility of kind of moving around. Like William started his history of art and then um, moved over to geography in the end. Uh, so quite different, which is very different, very, very different. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you can move around and, and there is flexibility. It is really more about those sort of transferable skills of kind of um being able to manage your time and um, understand re- reading things that you've been assigned to read. Or I think that's why we see some of the royals going for really random things. Like Edward, who was always really interested in the theatre, did a degree in history. It, those things don't seem to make sense, but he probably just signed up for it because that was what was you know he could get into or that's what they, were, they offered him or whatever. And he will have learned something in that degree, hopefully, even if it's not 
necessarily history. And I think that's something you hear a lot. Like over the years, I've heard a lot of people complain because Prince William did geography instead of doing like politics or international relations or something like that. And I honestly don't think that that makes any sense. I don't think that having a politics degree makes you any more qualified to be a royal than not having a politics degree, especially because they're not teaching you to be a royal in an average politics degree. Yeah, and I also imagine that William probably has a very good political understanding. His life is political, like his very existence is political. Whereas I think when he switched to geography, which is still very bizarre, like he's gone on and he did that like agricultural course in 2014. And I think a lot of his choices since then and his interest in the Duchy of Cornwall, you can see have come from that kind of like, hang on, I quite like geography moment he must have had in year one of uni. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's so I think that's kind of the interesting question at the end, really, is is university a good thing or a bad thing that royals are going to? You know, it hasn't always been the norm for royals to attend university, as we've shown. Um, so is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I read an article that said from a historian that said that none of the royals since Queen Victoria have been prepared to rule by their education um, because back in those days, sort of Queen Victoria and ab- above, they were all educated at home by the best scholars of their day who had a tailored program of education for them uh, that only taught them what they needed to know to be able to rule. Whereas when you go to a mainstream school, you learn about like colours and cats and the multiplication tables and you don't learn about the constitution of the UK necessarily. Um, So I thought that was an interesting point of like university probably doesn't improve their ability to be a royal versus not going to university I wouldn't judge somebody who was the future monarch who hadn't gone they don't I think it's much better to do kind of what William's doing now of like doing a course in agricultural management so that he can understand the Duchy of Cornwall or you know um learning by joining uh he joined like MI5 for a little bit and did a bit of time with them you know and learned about a government agency and how it works and national security and th- those things are probably more useful but what i think is useful about university is that it does kind of give them that opportunity to figure things out which it gives everybody who goes to university yeah i think university i always call it it's like being a baby adult because you're an adult in the fact that you're away from home and you have independence and you can choose to not do any uni work if you want to or, and you have that complete control over your life, but you have the safety net of still having, you know, a schedule and parents at home for most people. And you have that safety that you don't necessarily have if you went straight into a proper grown up job. Like if you drop out of university and then got a job, you can be like, well, I was doing this and decided it wasn't for me. But if you get a job and then quit it and get another job because you're still figuring out who you are, it looks bad and people judge you. Yeah, for sure. You know, if I think back to when I went to university, like I decided I was going to university when I was about eight because I'd heard of it. And I was like, when I'm a big girl, I'm going to secondary school and then I'm going to sixth form and I'm going to college and university. And I remember my cousins being like, university, ha ha, no one goes to university. And then I was like, right, I'm going to be petty. (laughs) And I went and my first year was horrendous. And if I wasn't so petty, I would have quit. But I was like, I am sticking this out. Um, But I always felt like, my final year of uni I was fundamentally a different person than I was in my first year of university like the the two graces were so far apart 
And if I hadn't gone to university, no matter what I'd done, I don't think I would have had that kind of personal growth so quickly. Yeah. And I think for royals in particular, they grow up in such a way that they're never they never have that opportunity to just be themselves and figure out who they are and live, you know, yeah. by themselves and do what everyone else their age is doing. So where while I don't necessarily think that, you know, William studying geography and history of art for three weeks has helped him become a good king, I imagine going to university helped him become a better William. Ooh. Ooh, that was a good line. <laughs> I know I said that and I was like, that's a good one. Uh, I, I have things to say, but they're just going to sound so rubbish after that mic drop moment. Um, but, you know, I, I totally agree. I think there are lots of things that you gain from university that are not about the actual academia side of things. So I know that the royals are still, you know, separated to a degree because they have protection around them and all that sort of stuff. But it is an opportunity to get to know like normal, quote unquote, people and kind of live outside of the palace and kind of so it literally is getting you out of the bubble of being in the royal family. And like, you know, obviously I went to St. Andrews and I know people who were there who were locals who were there at the same time. And like, I there was this guy who I knew who always used to tell a story about bumping into William in a pub and uh, William poured his drink over the guy accidentally. And the guy was a bit of an angry person, was ready to sort of have a bust up. But William was totally charming and lovely about it. And so he tells that story to everyone. It can, so it can also give them that kind of regional connection so like William studying against St Andrews, he will always have that connection, particularly because he met Kate there. It will always be special to him and vice versa. And like William, um, Prince Charles studied very briefly in Wales, just for a term, I think. But it gives him that connection of like, I'm not just the Prince of Wales. I actually studied there and I lived there for a little while. So, it, you know, there's things like that. And I, de I definitely think that it's almost as you said I can't I can't top your line but um <laughs> it's kind of maybe necessary in having a healthy monarch in the future to allow them that time to have useful indiscretions yeah I my first year of uni I have scrubbed as much as possible every part of my social media identity from, yeah. from the internet because it's very embarrassing but I did that and the only people who saw it were my friends and family like if I had to do that in front of the world mm. like I wouldn't have just allowed myself to do it if I had to be so aware of everyone else. And St. Andrews is so sort of isolated and protected. William could do that in a way. There are very few universities in the UK where he would have been able to do that. And I think that's very clear. And I think, you know, even the same thing goes for people like, you know, Beatrice, because of the university she chose, the choice she made she had that kind of she had people around her who probably didn't care less that she was Princess Beatrice and that was probably did her the world of good and I think they would never have had that opportunity because even you know going to a normal school if there's someone in that school who was a bit famous or their mum or dad is famous everyone's a bit like that's the famous one over there whereas university you like to pretend you're not effectively university is just delaying the start of them being full-time royals or the start of their royal life and I suppose some people might say that that's a bad thing and like they should get going straight away and it's avoiding the truth blah, blah, blah. but I think it is a good idea to give them that space because ultimately who would want an 18 year old to be a full-time working royal like I, I've got nothing against 18 year olds but like we are, as you said earlier, we're all very different people when we're 18 from how we are when we're 28 or 29. You know, I've changed so much in the last 10 years. And I think 
it's hard to do a role where you're a public representative you have so much pressure on you and every single thing you say is going to be preserved for the rest of human history if you are 18 and your brain isn't fully developed (laughs) it's a safe it's a safe place for when you're still essentially a child but you're Mm -hmm. being treated as an adult so that is all we have got for this week um as we mentioned at the start of the episode we are starting to see royals slowly return to work we've had a few engagements so hopefully over the next week or so there will be some more news about what royals are doing or they're actually going to you know do something uh it has been great if you would like to listen to any of our previous episodes you can do so on your go-to podcast directory and rate us five stars and until next week it is goodbye from me and goodbye from me.